We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. My friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode I'm calling um, Inner Dialogues. So it's, I guess it's about more though. This is really about um, ways to navigate relationships with other people and specifically people who uh, get you in your head. And those with, I guess, uh, communication styles, attachment styles, personality styles that don't really match yours. So you find yourself confused, triggered, in going internal whenever you're around them. And I think this is particularly relevant because it's the holiday season. And a lot of the time when we're visiting family, extended family, um, inherited family, it's difficult to negotiate a lot of these kind of forced relationships or relationships that come with a lot of baggage. So if you are one of those people who kind of debates things in your mind endlessly, maybe you shut down emotionally, or you find yourself feeling isolated or ashamed or triggered or extremely sensitive in these types of relationships, this is an episode for you. And I would say this is really only for you if you find that these are, this issue is causing you issues in your communication with others. Like it's giving you difficulty in your relationships or maybe you're noticing that it's affecting your confidence and your your understanding of yourself. So I would say this is especially relevant to um, anyone who's heading back home for the holidays just because when you return to your family of origin, all sorts of old drama can come up and you can feel like out of out of your skin a little bit. It's like you become this very sensitive organ that just is very raw. So with that, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. And this is in part inspired by two different listeners. Um, One listener made a request, and I'll get to a specific tool just for you that I hope you will recognize. All right, part one, the what. When you have a fight or you get your feelings hurt, or maybe someone you love is acting funny and distant or weird or says something that doesn't land right with you and your response is to not talk to them about it, not confront it, but maybe just go deep into an inner narrative. And that inner narrative is like this intense court hearing. Like there are debates about what it means, there are various reasons why it's happening, you're replaying things they said, you're replaying old things. You're re-examining what you said and why it was totally valid and innocent. And whatever is happening in your mind, this inner debate, 
now your body is getting activated and intensely upset or angry or hurt. And with that, you are getting um, more in your head and more isolated and more confused. And then eventually, maybe you default to a state of trying to fix the situation based on the court hearing that has gone on in your head. So maybe that means you're trying to act normal. My puppy is dreaming right now. <laughs> Sorry, that's distracting. Um, or maybe now there's awkwardness because you have, you're in a bubble of emotional distance. Um, maybe the other person doesn't even notice and you're even more hurt and more isolated. Maybe your go-to response is to act like nothing is wrong because like that feels like the only option or it feels the most convenient or maybe that's just the only thing you know how to do and you're not even choosing it. And that what that means is you're the one that's always swallowing shit repeatedly and that makes you just feel like a punching bag. Or maybe you do the opposite and you blow up and you burst into tears and then you feel like a child or you feel embarrassed because you haven't chosen this response and that makes you feel frustrated with yourself like you shouldn't have these feelings like the feelings are wrong etc part two the why well when we're little we grow up with specific muscles and those develop into big ones as adults others are left underdeveloped and i'm just calling this out as something that happens to you but also something that happens in others so depending on the value system of a person they might have a bunch of muscle groups that are missing altogether. It's also something that we continue to develop as adults, and that requires that we have opportunities to develop muscles. And by developing muscles, I just mean um, emotional interactions of a certain sort that give us a certain kind of emotional sensitivity and understanding. It's like a vernacular. Gaining a language and an understanding and a level of depth in specific kinds of areas. Learning different kinds of logic. And in order to do that as a child, we really need a supportive environment. We need a safe place. We need a specific kind of feedback from our caregivers. Because that means certain ideas um, are accepted by us and reinforced by our worldview. Um, it's also how we grow comfortable with certain things and not comfortable with other things. And included in these, quote, muscles are our actual automatic emotional reactions. For example, you might develop an overreactive stress response to very particular things. And that means like your ability to think clearly and rationally in the face of certain displays might be compromised just by default because of whatever muscle groups you developed. For example, if you're criticized. For some, criticism is like a system override. It like floods your body with fearful, painful emotions. And if that if you go through that experience, it will cause you to lose access to rational thought and, and with that perspective. So focus will be impossible, as well as little things like vocabulary words. So when you're you're flooded, you're incapacitated by feelings. So let's say an in-law says something critical. Your brain receives this as a giant threat and your body floods with an overwhelming um, emotion like anger and sadness. And basically you become trapped in a reactive state. Another common one is 
um, when you feel a lack of control or if somebody oversteps boundaries. So let's say you have extended family who don't ask your permission to do things to you in your home or they invade your privacy. This might be an incredibly potent violation. And especially if you have any echoes of this in your family of origin, it will cause you to physically recall the emotional age of the experiences when they were imprinted. And that's why a lot of emotional responses we have are large and simple and overwhelming because they're like emotional memories that were recorded based on the intelligence of and the reasoning abilities of a child. So they'll feel big, black and white, powerful, scary. Like we feel powerless because of the age we felt those things. So you might find yourself feeling really anxious, like you're trapped and you don't have the words to help yourself. Or you might feel on the brink of tears, like you're unable to compute a rational story that would accommodate, you know, why you're feeling the way you are and that would make sense to anyone else in the room or even yourself. But rest assured, if any of this is happening to you, it's normal. And it's likely a set of emotional memories that are so confusing because often they conflict with like our current rational goals that we have for ourselves and for our lives. For example, like you might have a current goal for yourself that is, I want to get along with these people. I want to be cool. I want to be chill. I want to not have like weird, awkward feelings. I don't want to get trapped in my head. I want to get the most out of my experiences. I want to put my feelings aside and, and be mature and put a smile on my face. Like, or maybe your goal is the opposite. Maybe your goal is to be honest and express your feelings and to work through these things in a mature and calm way. And, and maybe you also rationally know that this response you're having is the result of having emotional reactions that are unevolved in their own way. And you're, you really wish you could just talk yourself out of them and not take these things personally. Um, and maybe you also know, like, the people in your family or whoever's triggering this in you is, you know, they are what they are. And you really just want to not have to deal with these feelings. Well, it's one thing to have a goal, and it's another thing to have the means to act on it. So the next thing I have for you is a set of tools that are targeted at a variety of different kinds of people with a variety of different kinds of situations. Um, but I'm going to begin with a frame by which to view the issues you're contending with, which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. All right, tool number one, I'm calling bigger frame. So this is a, a step I want you to take in just examining this situation in your life, kind of a goal exploration. And I think a lot of the pain we go through is, and the wheel spinning we go through comes about when we just don't have the right goal. You know, like we can't really see what the problem is. And usually the problem we choose is so, you know, oversimplified and targeted at us being weak or not good enough or not smart enough or not strong enough. Um, or something like, you know, I wish reality was different, like that kind of thing. It's like, that's not really a goal because it's, it's really taking away all your power from the situation. So I wanted to invite you to reflect on just your particular situation and maybe just try, try to get a sense of openness around it. 
Because when things hurt and when they cause us a lot of agony, they get so small and we focus on them so closely that they become somewhat immobile in inflexible because like we're like oh it has to be this this is the problem and it won't ever get solved you know like it's like becomes a muscle like um not almost so for example let's say your frame for this situation is i have a problem it's me being not good at this stuff it's me being not good at emotions it hurts my relationships and um I just have issues that I have to work on, but I just don't work on them. That's kind of a not, not an active goal because, first of all, it puts everything solely on you being inactive. Like, it's like a statement. It's saying, like, I'm not active. And it doesn't really allow you to confront the causes of the reactions you're having. It doesn't, like, invite that curiosity. Um, so I might invite you to, to try on a different frame that is more compassionate and supportive and also active. For example, I'm having a physical response to a particular trigger and I want to find ways of helping myself in the moment that that occurs. Um, I'm curious about what the trigger stems from and I'm also, I wanna, I'm trying on different ways of acting in that moment. Um, another frame for your issue might be something like my extended family is rude and they cross boundaries they're hurtful um i i can't i want to be there for my partner so i just have to figure out how i can get through the holidays so i can be there for them that might feel like the only option you have because you're like my goal is to be a good partner another frame just get a little bit bigger a little bit wider a little bit more open another frame might be I cannot change my extended family, therefore I have to figure out a way to protect myself this holiday season while also being loving to my partner. Um, that, it's like, it's, it's not as black and white as sometimes we make it in our brain, no matter what the situation is. If none of these are translating or helping you apply it to your particular situ situation, then I would just invite you to simply allow yourself to Examine your situation with openness and try on um, other, other versions of the right solution, of, the, of a different goal uh, that's not as rigid. And I think that's just, you know, it's a good exercise to have because I think we build up walls around a particular inter interpretation of a situation and how we have to handle it, how we must handle it. Our fear or our lack of control around it will make us feel like it's insurmountable. And in that feeling, we make the situation more difficult and more painful than it has to be. I will also say that the theater of the mind is so much more um, ripe with pain and worry and anticipation of pain and anger. We live out so much more in our minds <clears throat> than actually happens in reality. I also want to just call attention to that piece of this puzzle, which is all of our dread, all of our, our, our self-narratives around a situation are oftentimes the worst part of the situation as a whole. All right, the next tool I have is called Safety Check. So this is a tool, shout out to a listener. Um, this is a, 
related to an older episode I did. But if, so if you are in a situation that involves someone who is actively abusive to you, let's say physically, emotionally, verbally, um, so that by that I mean someone who is unkind, disrespectful, insulting, they use inappropriate behavior or language, someone who disregards your humanity, someone who manipulates you and lies to you, um, takes advantage of you, treats you less than with basic human kindness, um, and whether or not you have a history of abuse with them or not, by being allowed, uh, or by allowing yourself to be affected by this person in present day, it can be a form of self-abuse. So if you are actively putting yourself in the line of harm, it can reinforce you tolerating more maltreatment in the future from anyone, from everyone. So as a very first step in this, I want you to just do a safety check. Ask yourself, is it safe for me to be in the presence of said person or said people? Because if they are actively engaging in a form of emotional abuse, I would say you owe it to yourself not to endure said abuse. Unless you are a caregiver of a child or, you know, an elder, I would say there are very few exceptions to this, my recommendation in this situation. So just do a safety check on yourself. Ask yourself, can you safely endure the interactions with this person, people? Do you, do you leave feeling depleted and bereft and like you've been abused? If so, if so, I would say the goal is negotiating a new situation for yourself that protects you from them. The end. It's that simple. All right. The next tool is called Level Loot. So I just want to think, you'd imagine like you're playing a video game. And when you are on a particular level, you might have pictures of the loot you're trying to collect. I want you to do the exact same thing for your life and whatever fill-in-the-blank situation you're about to walk into. So just before you walk in the door, let's say it's a party, or let's say it's a gathering, or let's say it's a, a day in your life, just think about what goal you have for that situation. Um, I would also say, like, let's say you have relationship issues where you shut down in arguments, let's say. Before you're in an argument, think about a goal you have for yourself when you are in that situation. Um, so set a goal simply. Um, and I mean setting it from when you're in an open and reflective state of mind. For example, I want to get through this as protected and calm as possible. That's a really simple goal. Then it becomes about, you know, deflection and I'm speaking about the party scenario. It becomes about deflection. It becomes about distraction. It becomes about not engaging, um, keeping yourself in kind of a protective bubble. Maybe another goal would be, um, I want to have one conversation that is meaningful, something really small, really simple. And that allows you to also feel like you got what you wanted out of something. Um, I want to conduct myself with grace and confidence. It's a great goal. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. If you did your part, then you can feel good about it. The end. I think it can just change the, the meaning of an experience for us when we know exactly what it is we want out of it. And I think small goals are worth, worthwhile as well. Um, for the relationship 
fights scenario, you might say, I want to not get lost in my head. I want to be able to notify my partner that I'm emotionally spinning out. And I want to say out loud that I'm not sure what to do. And if that's your situation, I would involve your partner in your plan in advance as well. So you could say to them, if I'm emotionally spinning out, I'm going to need a little bit of help. Like, I need you to rub my leg and smile at me, or I need a hug. Um, or say, I need you to say these words. I need you to say, I'm not mad at you. Everything's all good. We can hand those we love scripts to say in the moments that we need to hear them. And that's totally valid. Even if that person needs to be told exactly what to do, it's still authentic. It's still, you're still exchanging. You're still meeting each other's needs in a very specific situation. I digress. Next tool is called, hey, human, you're doing great. So this is a step I want you to take in a journal or in a mirror. It's basically recognition to yourself that no matter what you're doing in response to the situation, it's totally valid. Why? Because you're a human and whatever you've lived through, whatever you've been through, there is no shame. So don't add any self-blame on top of the situation and the emotional reaction you're having because it is what it is. If you are having a response, it is valid. It's something that is totally common and universal and expected. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, it's still totally logical. It's still like completely natural and normal. You have feelings and bruises and responses, and that's totally cool. Why? You're a human. So do what you can to, whatever you can do in the moment, do it. And if you can't do one thing that you wish you could, let it go. You aren't perfect. And that's the way you should be because you, you are a human. And just remember, if I'm doing my best, that's all I can do. Forgive yourself for human emotions, especially when you know you don't want to have them. Like we are all unique and colorful, and that's a great thing. You should not wish yourself into being devoid of all feelings and being a robot. Um, embrace it, you know? It's like, that's what we're supposed to be. We have lots of feelings. And it doesn't, they don't have to make sense. They don't ever have to make sense. So I think I had that in there because I think a lot of the time if we don't get ourselves or we don't want to have the feelings that we have, we can feel like, ah, oh, I ruined it. Oh, I'm making this worse. Oh, I, I wish I could just be grateful. I wish I could just have these experiences. It's like we mourn for a reality that doesn't exist. And that makes us feel so much worse about a situation. And it, it's, it is what it is. Except reality. It's the truth. And too bad. Well, <laughs> like, that's, that's reality. Like, that is what it should be because it is. So to wish a different thing on top of yourself is really an exercise in, in, a, you know, in wallowing or causing yourself pain. It's like... Um, it's almost like saying, like, oh, I wish I was a billionaire. It's like, what's the point of that? <laughs> Come on. Hey, human, just do that. N no extra. We don't need no more wallowing on top of the existing pain that exists. All right. Next tool I have is called Hierarchy of Allegiance. So this is a tool that pertains to a very particular kind of situation. So if you are in a scenario where you are negotiating protecting yourself over honoring a partner or a loved one, um, your 
hierarchy of allegiance needs to be checked because safety comes first always and that includes emotional and mental safety mental health safety so if a loved one is allowing you to be in the line of fire or you are allowing yourself to be that needs to change in a partnership also i will say the partnership comes before extended family so i just want you to take a sheet of paper and just jot down remind yourself of your personal hierarchy of allegiance who comes first in your life and i'm going to give you a little bit of help or encouragement or nudging in this chart because when you write this chart it starts with you there's you there's a little circle that is you that is the number one default setting without you your health your mental health you cannot be present or have anyone else in your hierarchy in your life the end that's just basic number one setting always. Then comes immediate family. So I would say your kids, your spouse, that's second in your hierarchy. Then come extended family, or maybe that's friends. Anyway, whatever, whoever you complete in this, and maybe that's not true for you. Maybe you would, you would say, um, my extended family, this person in my extended family comes before my spouse. All right, if that's what if that's the way you want it, like just know that that exists. Whatever it is, just have it clear, write it down, and know that this hierarchy dictates everything. It dictates who deserves what from you and also what arrangements need to shift if one thing is countering another or if one thing doesn't align with another. So for example, like if you're navigating a situation with a partner, they need to be on the same page with you about what is not allowing you to stay safe. So the highest goal is the safety and the most important of the most, most important parties. So how are you going to properly negotiate that? What steps do you need to take? Think about this like you're weatherproofing your roof or you're you're redoing your storm drains. Like it's super pragmatic and logical about this. <clears throat> Don't when you look at this chart don't muddy it with like any emotional interpretations. Just think about like what steps do I need to take to protect position one, two, three, four, and five um, in that order. How do I need to reorganize my calendar? How do we need to divide and conquer? How do we need, what do I need to do? Maybe it means you have to like, you know, um, go on a mini camping trip by yourself for four or five days during the week of Christmas. Do that. Whatever it is, like get really straightforward about it. I have to find contractors who can build roofs. Like, that's super straightforward. Um, I think when we get into forcing our, negotiating things with ourselves, thinking like, I can just deal, I'll just deal with it. Like, I'm, I'll just hide in a closet. Like, stuff like that, it's like, at the expense of ourselves, it's like, then we're, um, we're basically being like, ow, 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 while someone's punching us, thinking that's okay. And it doesn't have to be that way. It also doesn't have to be bad that it's not that way. It can be great. You can just have that plan for yourself from now on. That can be great that you're just going to, and your partner's like, cool, I'm going to handle the cooking. I'm going to handle all the managing people while they're here. And you're going to be out of town, whatever it is. Um, hope that made sense. All right. The next tool, judgment sesh. So I want you to sit down with a journal or a piece of paper. And just make a list, a really harsh list, of the pros and the cons of whatever 
questionable interactions. Like if you're, let's say you're like weighing whether or not um, you're going to interact with certain members of your family or you're going to put yourself through whatever situation is causing you to feel anxious. Um, just write down the pros and cons. Be as thorough as possible. And just see how even or uneven those two lists are. I think that just can be helpful in clarifying like, oh, no, there are only cons here. Like, I just have to not be around this person ever. I can't. I just can't. It, it just helps things get a lot more black and white and simple. All right, the next tool is called Freaky Thespian. This is like a visualization tool. I want you to imagine an actor with a beret and a lot of stage makeup and a red rose in their mouth. So this is your inner freaky thespian. So this is like the actor that runs around on the stage that is your brain, enacting different scenarios of pain and remorse and anger and a scene of having been slighted and this is also the actor that has like an orchestra that's narrating this all these plays um, on the strings of your chemical emotions. You feel everything that this person overacts. And this person only does super melodramatic, sappy, overacted everything. So this is a visualization for you to use because I think a lot of the time we have a tendency to live out so many plays in our brain that will never happen that are exaggerated, that are also not helpful, or they don't feel good, they're not empowering, uh, and they, they can occupy so much more time in, of our lives. And they're optional. They're self-inflicted. So if you catch yourself putting yourself through a vivid, campy visualization, um, just if you can, remember the freaky thespian and close the curtain on that guy. Because this is like a, it's a physical practice of something that is purely in your mind. It's, a, it's just a bad habit. Rumination. It's like we have to stop ourselves in, the, in our tracks. And, and in that moment, your, your number one task is to redirect your focus by changing the channel, by zagging. Things that help you do that are physiological changes. So like jumping in a cold shower, that would be one way of like changing a channel. Um, changing your location, cha just changing your physical state, I think, is a starting point. Okay, the next tool is called uh, Just a Shot. If you have, like, a weird fear, I shouldn't say weird, if you have, like, a really overwhelming fear of shots, this is not your tool. Um, <laughs> but the tool is, it's just a shot. It's just a little shot. It's a visualization. Um, so this is, if you are not able to be back in like the line of fire of a person that's not kind to you just remind yourself that the yeah. the actual negativity and the pain that exists in this three-dimensional world is really small it's really minuscule it's just like getting a shot it's like a tiny little syringe and it's over in 15 seconds but the actual physical response we have to that thing there's so much anxiety that of an, an anticipation around that brief moment of that prick, if we can just remember to check back in with the reality of the scale of something. It's just like, they're just a small human being. They're just like this tiny person. Or it's just this tiny argument or conflict that lasted five minutes in the ratio of many, 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 many years, decades that you'll live in your life with that person. 
um, just reduce it to how small it is in 3D reality. And because in that moment, there we create so much more scale um, and we get sw so swept up in like the, the, the future of the story that will result from this pain or the meaning of, you know, the dishonor of the pain or what it will cause us or but just like time moves really quickly and things change dramatically often. A day isn't that long. A year isn't that long. So just don't. Don't make it bigger than it has to be. Don't forget to look back at how brief this moment of pain really is and how much it can matter in your life. It doesn't have to matter that much at all in the course of your life. It's only the importance you bring to it uh, that will bring the pain along with it. All right, the next tool is called Mini-Me of Your. <laughs> so um, this is really for removing the me-inflicted stigma. We add layers of meaning and importance to situations involving narratives and archetypes of what like should be, you know, especially when it comes to holidays. Like we have an image in our mind of what it's supposed to be, of what family should be, of what we should be, what we should do, how we should handle something. And when you can just remove that layer of judgment, things get really simple. They just are. Sort of like um they're just like a, you know, like a physical response or something. It's like, it's very basic. And I think we get into like certain, you know, culturally programmed ways of thinking. We get into like an invisible, invisible loop in our minds um, with like what they think and that what I think. And then we see their, we start to imagine that we're seeing their brain. And we'll have these visualizations where our brain is talking to their brain and we're engaging in like, what you know their behavior means and this means this and their feelings are this and their perceptions are this or maybe they're that like we'll have these like imaginary loops of communication but all of it's happening in our brain not in reality and that's truly the most painful piece of all of this and that communication we're having is it's like another version of ourselves we are scripting it in our own mind. We can't even, we don't recognize it in the moment, but the conversation, it's like between you and you. I'm talking to like a little mini version of me that's kind of exacerbating all of this situation. And usually that little mini me is based on old past pain and past trauma and, pa and past baggage. So like in that moment, I think it's just helpful to snap out of it and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm having an imaginary conversation with myself and therefore by default, it is not accurate. I could never understand all the nuances. I can never understand accurately. You may think you can, but you can't understand what another person thinks. So unless you can ask them, then I would say drop it and embrace that. Like I only have myself and my own thoughts in my power at any given time. What can I do with those ingredients? hope that made sense. That was a long one. So before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Cynthia, a donation via Yay With Me. Thank you so much. And Anne, a huge donation from you. Thank you so, so much. And Alexis, wonderful donation from you. Taryn, 
Another wonderful donation from you. Thank you so much. Rebecca, a donation from you. Thank you, a bajillion. And Molly, a donation from you. Thank you so very much. And Paige, thank you so very, very much. And Nicole, a new yearly sponsor. Thank you, a bajillion. I love you guys so very much. And if anyone out there has the means for a donation, they make this show happen. Um, you can visit yaywithme.com and click on donate or Patreon. If not, I totally get it. If you don't have the means, I would love if you could share this with somebody you think would help. Um, that's how people find me. So I appreciate you all very, very much. And in closing, uh, I know the holidays are a lot, but just, you know, it's another set of days. So don't let it become bigger. We can dramatize it, and we can also dramatize our pain, our anticipation of pain. We give it more weight, more power, more meaning, and a way to obsess about the injustice or a way that our fear is allowed to consume more of our waking thoughts is just anticipation. In reality, these situations, as messy as they are, can be really simple and straightforward and like a transaction, you know? Same with like relationship conflicts or communication issues. It can be a really simple, straightforward problem to solve. If you were to trade out all of the content of the conversation and make it about fixing a calculator, you'd just be trying to fix the calculator. It doesn't have to be as meaningful, you know? So remove the stigma from whatever your situation is in your own mind and just... You know, it's a transaction. What is what are the terms of your particular transaction? How are you, how can you solve it? I know emotional issues become confusing and they they can also become somewhat trivialized in our minds because they feel like they don't really exist outside of the form we choose to act them out. In other words, like we can say to ourselves like, "Well, it's not a problem because I'm going to pretend like everything's okay." But what that does is it just means like we poison ourselves. Then they become bigger and more insidious because they infiltrate our bodies. And especially if we're not honoring ourselves or our feelings and our actions are conflicting, that's a way to degrade your confidence and lower your self-worth. It might not seem like that's true. You might in your own mind's eye think like, I'm just being a bigger person. When in reality, you're actually just, it's like swallowing poison. So I guess this episode is really about a way to get all of the facts and feelings out in the open and look at what they are and not judge them. And then from there, you can strategize the right solutions um, based on the truths that exist. Because the solutions can be simple. It's the judgment and the resistance that we lop on top of them that truly cause them to create deep wounds in our psyche. So if it inspires you at all, I want to tell you, I have the privilege of having many emotionally healthy people in my life, and many of them self-protect by making other plans during the holidays. They have arrangements with their partners because it is what it is, and they can't be around XYZ family members. I also have other people in my life who have large families made out of friends who celebrate holidays with them. I also have um, friends who are completely attachment style opposite to their partner and are constantly um, doing workarounds, negotiating ways to communicate correctly because of the ways they cannot be direct in that communication. It's all possible. And it also evolves as we get older. So don't think that this, whatever situation you're in, it's not forever. Um, 
it's it's all about like the openness to the process. Um, I also have the privilege of knowing one person who cares for their previous abuser in their old age. I mean, that's like a super gnarly, crazy scenario. Like I, I would never expect to know somebody like that, but like that person exists in my life. Um, I'm not suggesting that or condoning it. Like there's, my point is there's no right answer except the one you choose for yourself based on what you want to get out of your life and your particular present day. All, all solutions are kosher. Um, if it's right for you. Because I also know people who have cut off their abusers, but have processed their grief in therapy and have come to a good place with that. And they have no need to talk to their abusers ever again. Um, Regardless, to those of you who are not dealing with extended family issues, who are just simply struggling with inner narratives, and that causes you a lot of pain, I would say this episode is really just an invitation to start where you are and know that this is a process of self-excavation. It's just a process of being curious, um, like inquiring and, and using openness to uncover any false beliefs that might be operating your patterns. Because when we can get into a process, we can actually be active, which is the key. I think what sucks most is to be in the state of staring, like you're looking down at your feet and saying, I'm still not walking. Like when you know there's an issue and then you just repeat it instead of untangling it. So to you, I would say, Whatever you do, just take an action, even a small one. Read a book, have a conversation with a loved one, write an open dialogue with yourself in your journal. Just be active and eventually you will find you are walking on a path that leads to what you want. I hope this helps you in some way and I wish you a very happy holiday. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out via yaywithme.com. Um, or thoughts, anything at all. And uh, I send you my love. Don't forget to smile.